talking about a little while ago the best sounding um configurations of engines mm. and we we're talking about v10 v8 what have you and something popped up on instagram this maniac with a uh, a porsche carrera gt lighting this thing up and you should have heard it it's audio porn straight six it's, uh no they're a v10 so that's the same car that killed paul walker Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Paul Walker and his driver. Which one? GT? Carrera GT. Carrera GT, yep. Yeah. yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Bonkers. Yeah, that's a 10-cylinder. That sounds amazing. Yep. Any 10-cylinder. 10-cylinder <laughs> sounds amazing. But Yeah, and this guy just just lit it up. He swung a quick U-turn and punched it and took off. And I was thinking about that on the way over. I thought, God, how good did that sound? And I was thinking about your car, like a, a, a normally aspirated V8, how good that sounds. Yeah. All, all just... One of those silly little things that popped into my head. Just a, a by the by. <laughs> the um, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's the main reason why I got the '63 because of the sound. And I'd, I've never owned a V8 before, and that was on my list of things to own one day. Was a V8, and um, I always wanted that one. And the first time I came across it was in when they showed it on Top Gear. If you remember an episode where they go to Spain, this private track, and they test drive an audi rs4 a bmw m3 the v8 whatever I think it, yeah. whatever it was um and the c63 the w2 i do remember yeah i remember that app yeah. and clarkson drives the c63 because yep. it's the most powerful and he was going on about how it's you know this thing is an axe murderer it's trying to kill me and he's just yeah just sliding around corners and stuff like that um and that's when i fell in love with it with the sound and i remember walking down george street Maybe only a year or two after that when they were still, you know, like VV8 to get. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this guy was just screaming down George Street. I don't know <laughs> if it had any exhaust work done. I mean, not that you need to, even on the no. stock one. It's just super loud, but um, it just sounded amazing. Yours is still stock, the exhaust, yeah, isn't all it? all stock. God, all it sounds stock. good. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing I do to it. Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> I mean, there's so much there's so much you can do, and it's just a nice, drivable, comfortable Muscle car. <laughs> it's a muscle car, yeah, yeah, but you can just drive it normally and quietly if you want to. It's quite comfortable. Um, I mean, our roads are good. I, I think if you lived in Sydney, it would probably suck because the suspension is fairly firm. It handles quite well, um, yeah. but that's obviously the trade-off. But our roads are awesome, so it's like the perfect car. I, I, This is my take on it. I like them in that they're, it's a less is more. If you look at them, somebody doesn't know hmm. what they're looking at, yeah, it's a, it's a Mercedes. But those in the know go, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll respect this thing and I might, stand back just in case yeah. <laughs> it's yeah god it sounds good beautiful car and the last of the naturally aspirated eights because after that they went to the twin the turbo, turbo. The f- it's a four liter it's more powerful it's got more torque but it doesn't sound as good and it, it's just different it's an na the it's, power delivery yeah. i mean sorry a turbocharged car is a different power delivery and i've heard enough of the the newer ones getting booted off lights or um there was a twin turbo eight at uh, a track day i did not too long ago mm. and it was it was quick um and old mate who owned it could steer it but 
it sounded it sounded good, but it didn't it didn't prickle the hairs on the back of your neck. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um in that same session there was a guy out there with a uh God, what the hell was it? It was an S thirteen. So an old beta Nissan. Yeah. Little Sylvia, but he had a um one U Z the the um What in a Sylvia? Yeah. Re- retrofit God, big engine little car that's um four liter v8 sacrilege uh, true it's, it's a boys. popular swap though for the drift guys big um talky power mm. but obviously a drift pig this thing was it was not pretty but god it sounded good yeah that's a good <laughs> he wasn't doing lap times but uh every corner was a, a party for him <laughs> yeah it was fun to watch and the lightweight to those engines yeah i think because they're an alloy, I'm pretty sure the one yeah. you said is an alloy yep. uh, block thing. So, yeah, Be- beautiful little thing. People put them in um, Hiluxes as well. Yep, popular popular swap. Easy to supercharge. I think there was a factory supercharge one you said in one of the cars out in Japan. Okay. Oh, from memory. The one that, oh, I can't think which one it was, though. I didn't know that. But, um, yeah, God, it sounded good. And that's the thing with NAs. It's instant throttle response. You haven't got the any sort of turbo. I think the new turbos now, especially all these new electric ones, which weirds me out. But anyway, um, I think the new turbos are, are very little lag, but they, there is still some lag. It's not that instant. You can just tell those NAs that are tuned just mm-hmm. super sharp. They just rise and fall so yep. quickly. And it's, oof. I think um, one of the things I went for in my car was, was throttle response. So downscaling the turbo and making sure that it would spool up nice and quick and i've got fairly big cams in mine so it's, it's fairly instant but it's you can still get caught out whereas an na will somebody knows what they're doing will trounce me on those initial bits yeah and then i wait for the spool and i might get my own back yep. <laughs> yeah the on the w204 um i mean the the electronics on it are fairly simple all it really lets you do is control the speed of the shifting the gear shifts. Okay. So it's got three modes, comfort, sport, and manual. Um, in sport, the software just speeds up the gear shifts. So up and down, it holds up the gears longer as well. Yep. And then in manual, obviously, you've got full control. But, um, you know, pretty straightforward setup, very simple. The A4. On the A45, it's it's laggy as well, and so was the RS3 laggy when you're running it in comfort mode. But as soon as you put it in sport, obviously it changes. Yeah, yep. yeah, it changes the tune on it. But um, th- that's that's the the downside to a turbo. You get lag, and then obviously so the true. benefit of all the new technology is that you can just flick a button and you know turn it into a monster if you want to. Which is, I guess, one of the when I was initially building my car, I was going a little old school with the the configuration. And um, thankfully, my the tuning house that built my car said, no, 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 don't do that, do this, and, and brought me into the light, as it were. So I've got something now that's, for an old car, inverted commas, um, is fairly new car responsive. You've never actually told me the story behind your car. Ooh, so, so, big so story. Go back to the, the, the beginning. You know, <laughs> what so, is it? Why, why you got it? What you've done to it? So it's an R32 GDR. Um, most people know these things as Godzillas. Um, it's the original car that the Godzilla uh, Monica got coined for, the car that ate Japan. Um, mine's a it's, a, it's a bit of a weird one. It's a 
the Australian ones uh, came out in 91. There was a hundred of them, what they call ADMs, Australian Domestic Markets. Mine's a JDM, Japanese Domestic Market. Uh, mine's a bit later. Uh, it's a 93, which makes it a V-Spec, um, but it's got V-Spec 2, which is 94 components on it, better brakes, um, faster Atessa systems, um, a few other little odds and sods. But um, I fell in love with GDRs oh, many eons ago, um, watching them destroy everything at Bathurst. No, I didn't know what the hell they were. I was a Holden guy. Um, so I was trying to work out how, how a six-cylinder could possibly beat a V8. And I got educated pretty quick on that one. And um, I remember seeing one back in the 90s in one of the suburbs in Canberra just across from where I was living and um, I could see it in line of sight I heard this noise this amazing uh, launch didn't know what the hell it was and ran outside to find out what was going on missed it but the guy had come around for a second run at things and I actually managed to it was a silver 32 I remember watching this thing launch going what the hell is that and my housemate at the time said that's a GDR that's a Godzilla $110,000 and rare as proverbial and back in the early 90s yeah yeah and um sort of fell in love with them from there and got to learn how much they were just destroying everything in the races and so on and so forth but they were just too expensive and um anyway fast forward to the 2000s and um a friend of mine owned a actually owned a pushbot shop and he had one and i used to stalk it and and every so often once a blue moon he'd drive it to the shop I'd say parked out the front and I'd do laps around it. And I did a bit of research and found out this particular one had some rare stuff on it and it was really well looked after. And I started pestering him saying, sell it to me, sell it to me. I had no money. Don't know what the hell I was thinking. And um, he he said, I'll never sell it. I'll never, no, it's my pride and joy. So, and I just kept at him. Anyway, um, back in 2003, um, I got married. And I asked him if he could be my my lift, he, if he could uh, drive the car, drive me to the the wedding in the car, and he he did not. That convinced me that's the one I had to have. And I knew of there were other ones floating around that were slightly cheaper or better spec, worse spec, what have you. But that one was the one I wanted to have. So anyway, I just stayed stayed into him, and he relented in the end and gave up. And um, I said, what's it going to take to get this out from under you? And he gave me a figure, which was probably a fraction over market, but still good. And I went, right, I'll go and write your check. And he's like, you're serious about this? I'm like, yep, that's that's my car. And he goes, he said, I always said I'd never sell it, but you know, if I'm going to sell it, it's only going to be to someone who loves it as much as me. He goes, you're it. So anyway, I picked it up and um, tears in his eyes as I drove away, <laughs> which I can understand. And um, I left it unmolested um it was already a bit modified for a couple of years uh did a few little show and shines a couple of big show and shines actually and um there was a magazine years ago called speed australian magazine uh and they they sort of did a bit of everything a bit of the the show scenes of some of the uh, sex spec cars the huge chrome rims and slammed and airbags and all the horrible stuff i don't like but they also did good performance cars um, and there was a big show up in Sydney called um, Auto Salon. It was all over Australia, and they had the final show was called Final Battle. And anyway, I went up to support my wife at the time. She had a, a very bling show car, and I drove my thing up, and I just parked it in amongst everybody else and didn't expect anything out of it. 
and um, Speed Magazine actually took a photo of it. And uh, I didn't know about this. And, and it was uh, all stock at this point, yeah? Fairly stock, yeah. Yep. It was um, 230 wheel kilowatts, So, okay. which back then for most people seemed to be a lot. Um, it was it was quickish. Um, it was a GDR. It still went around corners really well. And uh, they put up this photo and I remember the caption saying the it was a, just a front-on shot with a big intercooler and everything. And um, it was a very... I've still got this... Sh- that photo to this day I love it and it said uh, the, the sight that V8 drivers fear when they look in their rear view <laughs> mirrors so anyway the plan was uh, take it off the road and give it a freshen up uh, keep it twin turbo 350 wheel kilowatts that was going to do it just make it nice and neat so I pulled it off the road um, and shortly after that uh, there was a bit of a call up for where I needed to place my funds when I Got the call up to uh, purchase my portion of uh, the push bike shop, of the cycling shop. So GDR got put on the back burner, which meant it was getting no kilometres because it just sat in the garage with an engine out. And um, very slowly I started chipping away and I, I pulled the, the engine that was out of it. Um, it got a real freshen up. It started to actually get a little out of control. Uh, it was a 2.8 stroker and it was everything was done right. It was 35000 bucks for the engine on its own before we even started doing anything else and it was just about to go back in and um a friend of mine rang me and said do you know and there's a very very famous big hitting car in the gdr world it was the fastest in the world for a long time called jun um because the engine was made by jun in japan and um my mate owned that car and he sold it to another friend and he said so do you know jun's engine i said yep and he said do you want it and i said well i know i know what was in that engine it was big and i went no i can't afford it he said what if it was at this price and i said all right keep talking and um we struck up a deal and so my beautifully built brand new 2.8 got sold off (laughs) and uh what i refer to as jun one's engine the the original jun engine is now the car that's uh in my car and we um, changed a few things around because it was kind of a uh, drag spec engine. Um, it was very, what I call top endy, mm. no response down, like huge turbo, big, enormous cams, 300 degree cams, um, but completely built engine, uh, slightly smaller, 2.7 litre. And um, we put that in, but then downsized the turbo. Uh, <laughs> I always say we went to smaller cams. Only 292s, which is a huge overlap. Um, and we changed a few things around. And then we got serious with fuel system and um, we went to MoTeC, um, ECU and Nismo diffs and it, it just got out of control. <laughs> so what I wanted, my vision was something that still went around corners. Couldn't be a drag. It, it could, if it had to go to the drag strip, it could do it, I guess, but it's not my thing. Um, but it had to be street uh, mannered, so it, it couldn't overheat at the lights. It yep. couldn't um, couldn't be such a horrible pig of a thing with such a huge heavy clutch that I blew out my knee after three shifts or anything. It, it had to be still drivable, but if I took it to the track and I went as hard as I could, it had to be so overbuilt that it would just laugh at me. And that's kind of wound up, well, where we've wound up rather. 
it's um, so currently 615 all-wheel kilowatts which is about 830 horsepower um, and six-speed sequential gearbox um, three-plate um, carbon fiber clutch and it's monster <laughs> it's an insane amount of power man that's almost double the yeah 63. Yep. it's um the funny thing is we um we actually plumbed the it's got an external wastegate but it's plumbed back in to keep it uh somewhat well not rude in terms of screamer pipes on the streets and um my tuner has said straight away that's that's the restriction where that thing is um that's if we just plumb that to atmosphere as per everybody that does screamer pipes is about 60 wheel kilowatts just by doing that yeah so whether we do that or not we'll see but it's it's a handful she's a big thing <laughs> but it's drivable i can um shut the thing up and drive around the traffic and nobody would really be any wiser it's um kind of what i want i've, I've had various um constabulary drive past and not give it a second glance which is fine um i don't upset the neighbors too much yep. when it starts up it's yeah so other than the powertrain, what about brakes and suspension? What have you done there? Suspension, I got lucky. It's got Japanese spec Olins all around already in it. So that's stock or is that aftermarket? Oh, no, aftermarket. I think back when in 94, if you went to buy the shocks on their own, they were 18,000 Australian. Oh. Now, honestly, these days, they're probably a two or three grand set of shocks, maybe a bit more there been um surpassed by all the new tech it's all the remote reservoir suspension going out and um oh there's a we're very lucky that um as you know we've got a really gun suspension guy in canberra that's one of the best guys in the world and um, i'm going to go and see him and see if we need to change a few things around and make it even better again inline suspension that's the man chris he's on yes road there um if anybody's ever in in the area and needs to see what the best in the of the best does he's it so um so i'll probably get to see him just to to tune the suspension a bit better again uh brakes were standard brembos um which sounds good but with all the extra power they're probably a bit overwhelmed so i'm going to put on something bigger yep. shortly so um, what were they like a six spot uh four spot front six spot uh two spot rears i'm going to go to a six and a four okay uh probably ap racing uh, all Brembo's monoblocks, whatever I do. Um, it's got um, braided lines already on it. They, they did make a difference, but um, the Brembo's are good to a point. But, um, yeah, she goes, because it's going into corners a little quicker than the factory intended. They probably last two or three laps and they start getting a bit warm and yeah, you, you sort of back off the effort a fraction just to baby them. So yeah. Time for some bigger stoppers. Other than that, um, the drivetrain, I might go to a carbon fiber prop shaft at some point just to save uh, a little bit of weight. Um, standard GDR prop shafts are usually good for about, well, depending on who you talk to, 800 to 1,000 horsepower at the wheels. So um, I'm getting close to its limits. So carbon fiber, lighter, stronger, less inertia, so it'll, it'll be a little bit quicker. Um, there's probably not much else I need to do. Uh, just little tiny little cosmetic things that drive me nuts <laughs> um, fix them up other than that she's and pretty much right inside stock you haven't changed seats um, steering wheel you know just basic cockpit 
Yeah, it's got a SAS steering wheel on it um, that was made for the GDR, actually, so it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. But um, standard seats are actually Nismo Edition ones, but they're nothing different over a standard GDR seat, which were pretty good, but when you get to the track, I'm sacrilege, but I'll probably take out the driver's one and replace it with um, some form of... It'll be something nice, carbon-backed um, bucket. Uh, that That's always a... I've been debating how I do that one because you still need access to the back seat occasionally. Um, if you put a race bucket in, you haven't got the... You can get reclining ones, but obviously they're not as strong or as, yep. as good. But um, it's still a road car, so I'll probably get something reclining, but a little bit stronger that I can run harnesses with. So, I'm sure Ricardo has a solution to that problem. I'll, I'll find a way around it. And I've, I've got to look at uh, Breed as well. Bride, <coughs> if you're Aussie. Um, Breed obviously, is synonymous with um, Japanese cars, so I'll probably look at them as well. But Ricaro makes still makes, in my opinion, the best best seats. Um, SAS has got a good seat. There's a couple other brands out there, but Breed or Ricaro, I think there'll be something going in there. That's probably about it. I've got to put... Um, a slightly more current uh, audio unit in the thing because the current one won't even play MP3s or won't uh, Bluetooth or anything. It's not like a stock unit, is it? Uh, no, it's it's actually a really nice Alpine, but it's old. Okay, it got put in, God, seventeen, eighteen years ago, and they never got used. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll swap that out. Um, I mean, these days you can get some pretty good options with um, like Android yep. CarPlay type arrangements. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. So touch screen. I've been cosseted by my my runarounds. Just got Apple CarPlay, and it's great. Yeah. So, I do. I do like the old school, almost analog feel of the car. That I don't want anything with a big flashy screen. I don't mm-hmm. really need um, to make voice calls and all that that other sort of stuff. I'll just listen to to music now and then, or a podcast. Um, yeah, but that's that's about it. I, this car's a, it's my thing for driving, so I'm not too worried about having all of the mod comms in it, as it were. So what about performance figures? So your 0 to 100, your quarter mile times? I don't know if you've done Haven't done either yet. To 200 or yeah, um, I do have launch control on the thing, mm-hmm. um, which I've yet to use, which is kind of sad. <laughs> um, I've just got to, now that things run in, I can give it a bit of a serve. Um, if I was a betting man, my naught to hundred is going to be somewhere in the three point two, three point four ish range, maybe a little lower. Um, with the right launch, right tires, right setup, it's probably just on the three second mark. Um, is the anticipation quarter mile? Uh, my tuner, who knows this thing backwards, knows that engine so well, and the the car. Um, he said it's about a nine second car. Oh. Yeah. Sub ten, um, Jesus. Yeah, sub ten seconds. So, I will go to a strip at some stage and have a play around, work out my launches and that, and then at whatever stage, just keep the foot into the thing and and run a time that will get me kicked out straight away because I haven't got a shoot. I have got a cage, but a half cage. Yeah. So it's not Andrew approved. Um, so I know if you run less than a ten second, now you get booted. So, and I know the thing can do it. Whether I'm the guy behind the steering wheel doing it or not, we'll see. But um, yeah, she's got some stout performance, and I I always laugh and just say it's a road car. So she's a pretty solid road car. It's um, I'm very lucky. Um, and the Atessa system. So mm-hmm. how, how does how does that work? 
that's we've got a tester and high cast so a tester is the um system that feeds all four wheels um so gdrs were a little bit of a weird car in that they weren't a genuine all-wheel drive all the time it was kind of all-wheel drive on demand so they were a 90 10 90 percent of the rear 10 to the front and when the system worked out that the rears were starting to slip it would feed more to the fronts and it could do it in corners work out which corner was going the wrong way as it were going backwards power delivery wise um and so if something was spinning up it would back the power off on that side and feed it to the other side um so that system still works in the car i've still got the Atessa pumps and everything the HiCast, which is the four-wheel steer we've deleted that because that's a scary system on a, a big horsepower car at speed where it's it makes the back end feel a little um nervous at speed so high cast delete is the the popular term for it um the guys at croydon motorsports uh organized that one and i remember it okay it was underpowered but i remember it with high cast and without it's definitely better without um a couple of the purists will shake their heads and say it has to have it but none of the fast circuit cars none of the fast dra- drag cars run that so what is that does it use brakes um no it's a it's got a pump system to it that will change I've, I've not quite got into it exactly but it changes the alignment slightly um so, so it actually gives you um okay right so it's like a steering four-wheel yep. steering system yep. okay which yep. is something that is being used a fair bit these yep. days yeah um i think back then it was probably overthought and it was well well thought out but it was probably overthought and not necessary on the circuit so all the race cars never ran it so that probably tells you something the ones that come to mind these days modern cars that use it so there's the there's a megan hmm. the megan sport rs so that uses four wheel steer yep that huh. uses a four wheel steer system the honda nsx which has awesome handling the new one yep yeah the yeah. hybrid one yep um and that mercedes gt Ah, uses it as well the big amg the yeah, two yeah. that's four wheel steer that that uses four wheel steer huh. and against the the new gtrs yep. in like a twisty both twisty tracks in japan you know like an, an uphill as well as a, as a downhill race um just seem to handle better and outperform the gtr which even is that was impressive heavier, which is impressive and it's because apparently the four wheel steer system just makes all the difference oh there you go well, that's, yeah, I mean, the GDR's always been, especially in Japan, obviously, all the two go, the, yeah. the um, hill climb sort of stuff. Yeah. They've usually been considered unbeatable. They, any, anything's beatable. you just got to engineer it the right it's way. Technology. Yeah, Advance, yeah. Advancements. Yeah, true. But Cool. So that's the story behind your car. Yeah, that's, that's the beastie. So um, I usually joke about it and people say, what have you got? I'll, I'll say I've got an all-wheel drive Datsun. <laughs> and people that don't know shake it off and people do know go oh, okay there's a story behind that but um i'm lucky that yeah it's got some prestige it's got history uh being jun um that car still exists now it's called jun 2 it's got a much bigger engine two and a half thousand wheel horsepower and absolutely psychotic it's a drag car um still road registered but uh yeah my thing um whilst it's a less is more i've got plenty of more if i need it <laughs> would you sell it no never would you swap it never you wouldn't swap for anything. So, what would you swap it for? I honestly can't think of anything that somebody came to me with a. Va- oh, actually, a McLaren F1. 
that's about the only car. Uh, I mean, to me, that's the ultimate road car. What are they worth now? Like oh god, millions. Um, a, three or a, four, a five shitty second-hand ones, two million bucks yeah. <laughs> if you can find them. Um, I believe there was three in Australia or four in Australia at one point. I know there was a oh, legend has it there was a guy taking his friends for a test, uh, or not even test rider, a hot lap down in Adelaide, pranged it, killed one of his passengers, and that car got written off. And what does the passenger sit? I'm trying to remember. Left watching. or right of the driver. So driver's central. Yeah. It's a three seater, but the driver's central and the other guys are over your shoulders. Yeah. I remember watching um Jay Leno's garage and there was a Yep auto journalist who got a spin in his McLaren. Absolutely the most amazing road car. I've I've seen what have I seen? I've seen four or five of them now in the flesh. And drivable too. Yep. Um, shattering. There was a, uh, I think it was Top Gear actually, did a, they went to Bahrain, Emirates, somewhere around, it's somewhere crazy where people got a lot of money obviously, and they had a Veyron versus the F1, so 15, 20 years of development, and the Veyron obviously sledgehammer, and um, the F1 beat it to, God, it was well over 200 k's an hour, and kept it very honest. Um, just lightweight acceleration. Yeah, Gordon Murray, that man's a genius. He's I've I've listened to him on um, Chris Harris has got a, a podcast, yeah. um, collecting cars podcast, and he had Gordon Murray on it. And it's one of the few podcasts where I've actually saved it. I've, I'll listen to so many podcasts and delete them, so I've got more room on the, the phone yeah. or whatever. That one with Gordon Murray, if you haven't heard it, dear lord. That, that man's a genius. And he's so humble. And he did this stuff out of a garage, didn't he? he was just originally, yeah. He's, way back in the day, he, wor- he worked with um, uh, the guys from Lotus and the guys from... Yeah. So he was an F1 team yep. engineer and then he worked on his own project in his yep. own time in his garage and then, yeah. And he's, his thing was power to weight, basically. Yeah. Which, best way to go. Well, that's the thing, yeah. Funny thing is, he, he did the, the F1, the McLaren, which is... Like I said, I still think it's... He said it was designed to be the best sports car in the world. I mean, it was probably the original hypercar. Um, I think they sold them for about £680,000, £700,000 back in uh, the 90s. And they say that they went backwards on them, which I'd believe. Um, But he made it as the best road car you could buy. And then obviously they they went racing with them and they did Le Mans... um, They've won at Spa. They've won a lot of stuff. So, um, but as a road car goes, I think that's the ultimate road car. Have you ever driven a Cayman? No, but I've got a friend who you know, Dan. Uh, Dan. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's got like one in mint condition. Yeah. yeah. I remember it's he showed that he had that in the in the, the shop in the yep. garage. Yep. He showed that to me. I just couldn't believe that it was just spotless. It's a that's a pretty car. I like that shape. Yeah. I've, I've got a thing for the Caymans. The um the GT4. Oof. I'd happily... I'd, I need to get a hot lap in one of those somewhere. The reason I ask is because I've always wanted to drive one. I've never driven one. And, you know, as far as poor man's sports cars go, mm-hmm. the MXY would have to be number one. And then I've always wondered what it would be like to drive something like a, a Lotus versus a, a Cayman. And I would imagine the Cayman to be your everyday practical car, which yep. you can, you know, you can 
drive around town a lotus not so good for that even no. though you do see them which is kind of funny yeah um when you can actually see them because they're so low to the ground yeah um the that mx5 that i had yep amazing car but my biggest beef with it was the fact that it was just it had very little power yeah and you could have fun but it just needed a bit more so i think that engine was only 100 and 130 kilowatts for a car that only weighed just over a ton. Yeah. It was pretty good. But if it had, if it had something like, I don't know, closer to 250 horsepower. Yeah. So what, 200 kilowatts just under? It would just be. Be healthy. It would be amazing. Power to weight. Which they could do if they wanted to. But um, they'd have to turbocharge it, uh, which they could do with, because that's what they do with the, the, MX3s. Was um, there a... So is it MX3? What's it called? The, no, the, the 3 MPS? No, uh, MPS, yeah. yeah. They did... I'm sure they did an MX5 turbo at some point. Yeah, the 1.5? The, oh, there you go. The it's a little, en- little engine. Yep. The NC. I had the ND. Yep. Um, I don't know anybody but, that's got but an it was MX5 little, it was 1.5. Yeah. I don't know if they're any good or not. I mean, everybody hears turbo and goes, oh, it's going to be good, but... Not necessarily. <laughs> Look, everyone loves like if people who like MX5s, I like them all. Um, N NBs are pretty popular. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the weight. So people who get those normally just modify them and and strip them down. They make a perfect track car just because they're so light. Not the safest thing in the world, but I mean, <laughs> who cares? Um, yeah. So I'll I'll definitely keep my eye out on whatever <laughs> Mazda decide to do next to them. But it never ends, does it? Mm. It's um, I I think I've got. And it's not the perfect car. The GDR is flawed. Um, it's an old schooler. It's, I mean, God, 1993, there's things that are wearing out on it or whatever. Mm. I don't know what I'd do now. If what do you I, mean flawed? Oh, it's, uh, I mean, it's boxy. So it's not very aero. So it's, it's well, not. Looks, looks are subjective. True, true. Are you, up, are you up talking about looks or are you talking about like the, the aerodynamics of it? I mean, Well, it's not going to be very fuel efficient and mine's definitely not with such a big engine. Mm. Um, it's certainly not comfortable. Well, I think it is. Um, the The girlfriend now uh, hates it <laughs> because you've got all the associated uh, vapors from big fueling systems and it's loud and it's yeah. Yeah, so yeah. on and so forth. So it's not the perfect car. To me, I love it to bits. And like I said, Aside from a McLaren F1, which is never coming around. Um, and even then, it would pull at the heartstrings to swap it. <laughs> um, but it, I don't know what I'd buy. It's, I, I don't know if there is a perfect car, which is the beauty of things. It's um, I looked at the new S63. No, C63S, is it? It's just come out. Ooh, it's a beautiful thing. And the sledgehammer. But nice and controlled so that would be nice as a, a daily as a daily driver yep. um then you've got mccann turbo which would be you know that suv that's got enough poke but it's not too big that looks fun um gt4 cayman that looks like hilarious fun at the track but completely impractical anywhere else um you get the big sort of luxury barges even some of the the korean cars that are coming out now what's the the genesis which is the you know they've been making that for a while yeah so it's what's well, been out for a bit yeah yeah i just saw the new they've got a suv version they've got a sedan version yeah and they're so well appointed yeah my brother's got a um kia stinger gt damn that thing's quick but as a standard car 
and it's luxury and it's it's nice I remember I first came across the first Genesis that they made um, back in the 2000, late 2000s or mid 2000s. Yep. I was doing a project for work with Hyundai. Yep. And I asked them, I said, so when are we getting the Genesis? Because I'd seen it. Remember that TV show 24 with Jack Bauer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was one in that. I think Hyundai must oh. have been some product placement there. Yeah, so, gonna, yeah. And I thought, what is that? So then I looked, I looked it up yeah. and um, I asked. Because it, it appeared that they were only selling it in the US as far as exporting. Yeah. Right? Um, so I asked them, said, are we ever getting this? Apparently, no. It's Australia. Hyundai Australia. Was Standard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a pretty nice car. They're, they had one in the Canberra Centre and it was all roped off. And there was, if you the didn't know what... ones? Uh, and it was, I saw it about two years ago. So it must okay. be, it's probably not the most current one, but it was just the outgoing one now. And the amount of people standing around going, what the hell is this thing? Well, they have everything. Yeah. And you're paying less than a well, you know, it's it's the target that the the German, yep, luxury executive sedans. Um, I can see where they dragged some money away from BMW from yep. Merck. Yep, like without. I don't know if you're going to be budget. Well, you have to be budget conscious. Everyone's budget conscious, at just at what level. Yeah. But um, it was an impressive car. I, I had a chat with the salesman, and he knew his stuff. Thankfully, he wasn't just a stand in front of the thing and try and sell numbers he he actually liked cars and he talked me through it and it was impressive and all the road tests come back quite good too that was a surprise yeah and those are good now yeah. um i30m it's a fun yep. car i've driven that i still haven't had a, a proper it pretty hard yeah there you go it's a good car same thing it's a proper <laughs> proper hot hatch i need to get to the track more i, I need this damn place to stop raining so i can mm. <laughs> go out and uh do some more track days I've um I've just put my finished my track day motorbike, um, and it's sitting in a shed, sitting on slick tires, waiting waiting for the weather to go away so I can actually go out and set the thing up. So there's a, a rally experience that I've that I've got to do that um my workmates got for me when I left a, another former workplace. Yeah. And, um, they all chipped in and got me that, and I've I've got to do that. So Where's is that something local or do you have to travel? Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. I was going to go last year, but then because of COVID, I, I, um, I couldn't, obviously, couldn't travel. But COVID now. has wrecked everything for everyone. Just uh, bonkers. I was, um, I was actually talking with a couple of the guys uh, from my, um, the pro team uh, that I worked with at the Cape Epic at the mountain bike race um, year before last. And we're just talking about how much it's changed everything over there. And um, we've, everybody in Australia whinges and moans that, you know, it's shut everything down. We've got no idea. Yeah. (sighs) I mean, business owners here in Australia, you know, they've been hit pretty hard. But I mean, if you look at, say, the United States, there's some... Europe. Pretty bad situation there. Well, yeah, the States, they're not helping anybody with anything, are they? Anyone with borders. <coughs> yep. Yep. Which is, we're lucky, our biggest borders, yep. that big wet thing around the edge yep. and keeps a lot of the problems out. So, yeah, we've been blessed. But, uh, I don't know, I think there's going to be a lifting of, hopefully, of travel stuff. Maybe it won't be completely, not for a long time. With this new uh, vaccine, that's going to help. Um, God, for, you, for our sake, you and me, I hope there's, goes away soon because uh south africa's a year away and i want to be able to travel there yeah i'm i'm not 
I'm expecting that things are going to change much at all over the next, I reckon, two, three years. Yeah. So, and I think for that to be, they'll probably end up, do, the government's probably end up doing very similar to what they're doing now with domestic travel. There'll be some yeah. stimulus package to subsidise tourism. I um, think we're probably going to wind up doing a lot more races domestically. Um, I, yep. I honestly won't be when surprised. When it's not raining. Yeah, when <laughs> it stops raining. Bloody hell. We, what's today? Sunday. We, we were supposed to be racing yesterday at Awava. That was the third time that they've had to call it off now for rain. Oh, God, and fourth time, what do they say, May, I think. May, yeah, I think yeah. it's the first weekend of May. Yeah. And I was having a look at the race calendar because I made some adjustments to to the training plan, but um, there's a cork race next weekend out of Madura. Ooh, it'll be wet, work. but it'll be fun. Madura's fun. True. As long so, as they don't put us across Auto Alley, I'll be okay. <laughs> I, 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 they'd be insane too. Yeah. That might include... This, Bit, maybe bits of yeah the easy section yeah but yeah I, I don't think they'll be sending people up there that would be that's madness. um that's, that's a, too techy for your average rider that's a crazy piece of track it's a good track it is a good track remember we did that yeah, not too yeah. Long ago? <laughs> it broke me second half broke me i was going fine and then i lost my major and that was the end of that so i was even on my good bike and i still couldn't get through it that track brings the best out of the epic like that that's true that track that's what it's made for isn't it how good an epic is yep. it's a, a dual suspension that just behaves like a hardtail when you're bingo when you're just climbing like that those super tight switchbacky where you've really got to punch it uphill that's where and i've uh, everybody says i i drank the the gatorade on this one but specialized they employed um that particular uh suspension design um the horsed link rear end the four bar rear end um they got onto that early, many, many years ago. They actually, they had a, a specific way that it's done. And the horse Leitner, I think is the proper way, oh, probably butchered his name, but um, that design of suspension, as far as I'm concerned, is the best way overall. It's as far as downhill goes, you can do different things. Or if you had a pure climbing only bike, you could do a different thing. But it, as an all-rounder, climb, descend, flat, um, lack of pedal bob, chain suck, and all the rest. I still say that system's the best. Yeah. So, and everybody says, "Oh, specialized." You know, they they got the monopoly on it. They actually didn't. They bought. I'm trying to remember how this works exactly. They got the patent on that design for within America, and then outside of America, they had to pay for this for the same bike to be sold outside of America. It actually, cost them more money. Because if it was outside the American domestic market, the horse rear end, <coughs> they had to pay him for that. So a bike like ours, the Epic, um, they sold that in America and they owned the patent. So they weren't paying a penny on each bike. Whereas anything that they, exactly the same bike, sent it across the waves to us, you and I buy it, and they had to pay horse Leichner, um a royalty on the design so i and they've stuck with that um resolutely and they've made a few changes i'll give them that but i've ridden different brands um before and after i i worked with specialized and i still prefer that design it's the only design i've found where it, it climbs like a hardtail like you said it's um I, I really like the brain rear ends on the, the Epics. I think they work really well. Um, but the suspension design just, it works. Yep. Um, there's, 
there's other ones out there that intrigue me from uh, Trek's new uh, Super Superfly, Supercaliber, whatever. Supercaliber. Supercaliber. Yeah, little 60 mil um, flex stayed rear end. Um, I'd I'd imagine that thing would be amazing for short course racing. Good luck doing an enduro uh, or a marathon based or a multi day stage race with that thing. It would beat the hell out of you for sure. It. it I would imagine it's designed to just take the sting out of a mm. out of a hardtail. Yeah. Uh, which which you know is not forgiving at all with True. an XC geometry and requires focus at all times. Otherwise you're going to make mistakes or, you know, puncture Bingo. or something like that. So you've got to pick your lines all the time. So f- from that perspective, I would imagine it'd be, it'd be a very good, but yeah, I, yeah. I'd like to have a ride on one. Yeah. I'd, I'd, love I'd, to ride I'd on. like to know. It cost too much. Though. <coughs> but um, I saw Cam Ivory, who I know from Cape Epic days. Um, he's a Trek Australia rider now. Uh, he did the, uh, the nationals were just on at Medina down in Tassie and I saw that he used the supercaliber for the um, XC course um, kind of makes it that sounds like it was brutal race so don't know how that went for him but um, that makes sense over you're only out there for an hour or two flat out and I guess you're not losing concentration too much over an hour or two you're really concentrating hard so you're picking your lines you're not as likely to smash a rear rim into a rock or a uh, you can be a bit more supple off jumps and things like that. So I, c- I can understand the call for that, but then that's flawed for the longer stuff. Um, you get the some of the other designs out there which are, are very supple, but then there's sort of energy sapping. So for the longer stuff, yeah, you might be more comfortable, but you're expending more energy just to, to finish. So for me, I don't know. And yes, I owned a, a shop that sold Specialized, but... I don't own a shop anymore and I still ride specialized. Yeah. I, I reckon that's an indication. So and they're not uh, they're not the best value for money, but I think for the performance for what you get, I can see the money in them. So everything's nuts that you can drop 12, 14, 18, 20k on brand XYZ what it is whatever it might be these days. You know, electric shifting and smart suspension and yeah, it's it's nuts what you can pay, but um, it's what we're willing to pay. Yeah, that's all. Well, the new one, I notice, has jumped up in price. Oh 20, God, it's twenty-one thousand now, as opposed oh. to twenty retail. God, yeah. that hurts. That's a lot of coin. It is a lot, and I, you know, suspect it's just them capitalizing on the the Market. supply exceeding yep. the uh, the demand right now. Yep. With COVID, bikes have been going really well. The um, I notice that the wheels are really expensive. I mean, Rovals have always been expensive, but yep. these ones are just particularly expensive. And I think that's what really pushes the price over the, the 20000 mark. Because yep. if you kind of look at the, the model down, which is, I think, thirteen k, That's still got carbon rims though, hasn't it? it? Yeah, it doesn't have the top of the line ones, not the SLs. Um, so I think it still uses an aluminium hub. Yep. Um, it's not full carbon. So when you add in... And it still comes with access. So when you add in... The power meter and the so it's is really it the fact 12 frame so the the carbon's a little bit stiffer and lighter it is, yeah constructed slightly different yeah that's not it's that's not eight thousand dollars no <laughs> that's a big jump yeah oh, what is it 12 14 is it th- no thirteen thousand. so it's it so it'd be what so it's still uh, yeah eight thousand eight thousand dollar jump yeah Yeesh. i yeah i i can see the money in the pro 
S works. I mean, if you got the money, good on you. I'd be going to pro. Yeah, so would I. That um, dear oh God, and I'm very lucky that I've got the S works that I do now. The access that I've got that model now, that thing's amazing. But um, no need to upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> that bike's already better than me. In fact, the the S works Epic uh, World Cup that I got your old bike um, is still better than me. <laughs> it's, it's that thing's amazing. That is a good bike. And um, I, I cured my OCD. Um, I had that. So I had the two black wall tires on it for a while. Then I went to get get the gum walls, and I only had the front one. It was doing my head in. So I got another gum wall on it now. <laughs> it's like, Send me a photo. It's it's cool. It looks good. Um, black frames look good with. Yeah, yeah, I just couldn't do one gum wall, one black wall. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, I've got to replace the bottom bracket bearings. They're shot. So. Um, ordered some of those put them in shortly so we can go riding again what's crazy is how much punishment these things can yeah. take like all these components I mean that's why you pay you know it's worth paying well, true yeah big dollars for, for top end parts because they if you look after your bike they, they last I mean the punishment is just pays itself crazy. off yeah and I've, I was thinking about some of the, the various rides I mean you've, you've ridden it a heap I've ridden it a heap I've looked after it a bit you looked after it a bit but realistically that bike's had a hiding and only just now, and they weren't even completely shot. They were just on the way out. So I'm just doing the right thing to replace the bearings. Look after your equipment, peoples. Yeah. But um, considering what that bike's been through, <laughs> set of bearings, whatever, keep going. Well, I'm still waiting for my um, my new crankset. The power with the power meter. With the power meter. Power meter. Because I've worn out the crankset, which I've never done before. Tells you how many k- how many k's have you got on? A lot. <laughs> A lot. It's got to be close to ten. Yeah. Wow. And I think people hear 10,000 Ks and go, oh, that's not that much. But they're the give a road bike. I always say double or triple whatever the mountain bike kilometers is, that's your equivalent in yeah. a road bike. It adds up quick. It's, yeah. yeah, it is punishing. And I'm still running the um, original front tire on it because I haven't done many road kilometers on it. Which it helps. It, yeah. Helps huge. It, it's crazy how much that chews away. <laughs> Drives <But> me mad. <laughs> With that bike, I reckon, um, I think the fact that I got the power meter on it and had the suspension fully serviced, because I do that at least once a year, yep. and had it stripped down, and I was thinking maybe maybe I could have gone for the for the Pro, but then I thought, nah. I'll, You're I'll already think. on a good thing. Hmm. And those the, the S-Works frame is a better frame. I get, yeah. I remember riding, uh, I think it was actually the Tarmac, um, Specialized did a uh, a launch <coughs> a while ago that I was at, and um, they had a S Works tarmac and a Pro tarmac with exactly the same components, same wheels, same bars, same everything. Um, they they did this deliberately. They actually down spec'd the S Works bike, so it had all the same parts off the Pro. So it had CL forty fives rather than CLXs, so it didn't have the good bearings. Um, at that stage the Pro actually had alloy bars it didn't have carbon bars and so they put alloy but literally they just pull the Pro apart and put the S-Works frame to the Pro bits and they set them up side by side and they had all the different frame sizes so we could all go out and have a ride and I remember I know how the construction uh, how they were put together so that we'd already been told about that so 
maybe placebo to a degree. That's in your head. Uh, you know, the bottom bracket would be stiffer because of the construction. But when you went out and rode the thing, you could clearly feel the difference. So uh, the new, so the new Pro is a fact twelve. No, fact twelve frame. Fact eleven. No, it's eleven. Eleven. It's there 11. you go. It might be in the roadies. There's there's one where the S works versus the model down. The carbon grade is the same, but the way they're constructed is different. So I know with the S works, the bottom bracket, seat tube, down tube, seat stays are all constructed as one piece rather than one, two, three, four tubes slotted into a bottom bracket shell and then bonded right. over. Yep. Yep. So it makes for a stronger unit yep. and fractionally lighter, there's not much in it. But um just stiffness. Yeah. Yep. Less and you, flex. And, and you especially could feel when it. you're powering down. It was it was the weirdest thing. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, right? It's power transfer that makes a, a massive difference. I mean, on a hardtail, you, you kind of get a taste for what what power transfer power is. Down. Yep. And then you ride a, a dual suspension. Yeah, I mean the Epics. That's that's their strength. It's. Um, I can I can see where the extra money is. It's what people people have to make the call themselves. Yep. I'm happy to pay the extra for a little performance gain, perceivable or a big performance gain in their heads, whichever it is. But you know what I love about that bike when we when we do races and you know you you're, you're trying to overtake, um, you know, and if you don't have the opportunity to overtake on the single track and you're waiting for you know like a fire road or something yep. like that to then just safely overtake people, punch it, yeah, um, just the efficiency, like yeah, the suspension just does what it has to do and you don't need to flick any remotes or anything like that. So I love just being able to just put the power down and and just ride past um, efficiently. You don't lose any any energy and one less thing. Waste energy. Yeah, you're not you're not reaching down flicking levers or yeah. I, I know there's handlebar mounted ones or whatever, but you're not even thinking about things like yeah. physically having to. If you're fatigued and you make a mistake, I've seen people in races where they start descending down the other side and they get first five ten quarters down and again their fillings knocked out. Like what have I done? Oh, I've forgotten to turn my suspension back on. Yeah. Don't need to think about it. Just ride. I like just ride. Just ride is good. <laughs> yep. And when, the longer you go, yeah, the more you fall back on. Well, the fatigue just starts to creep <sighs> in. Then you, you know, then you just make mistakes if you're not paying attention, which will happen. It's just inevitable. I've seen it too much. Watched too many races. Been in too many races. And I've done the same where I've been fatigued and I've I've missed a cue or a um an essential thing. Um, can be something as simple as forgetting to eat or drink at the right time, or it can be miss miss a course marker i've done that i'm just fatigued i've blown it spend an extra half a kilometer riding too much turn around yep. and go back draw the ire of the person who said no go that way <laughs> oops yeah so but what do you reckon about the race for next week do you reckon you'll do it it'll be on a sunday if it's uh as long as it's not too muddy i mean yeah yeah oh it'll be it'll be muddy well it's hopefully it's not too if it's not raining Actually, it's supposed to rain all the way through to Thursday, or Friday. So yeah. I don't even know if they'll run it. But if if they're game, and it's not too muddy. I'm crap in really muddy conditions. Plus, I don't want to wreck the bike. Yeah, that's what I'm more worried about. Yeah. It's the bike. It's just not not worth it. And I've just had it all cleaned up and serviced. And <laughs> no um, point going backwards. Well, so, uh, mate, certainly make the call probably on the Friday. If it's oh, if it's a Sunday race, well, it will know by Friday. Well. If it continues to rain like this for up to half the week, even then I reckon it'll it'll be crap. Yeah. 
because Madura doesn't drain well. No, I think they're saying till Thursday. Friday's the first day where they're saying it's supposed to be no rain. So they should just move it to Stromlo or something. Stromlo would be better. Hmm. Wonder if they've got that ability. I have to ask them. Um, here's a question. I was thinking about this on the run over actually. Um, Beast Monkey, where'd the name come from? Um, Chris and I, I think we're just trying to come up with a name. Okay. Um, I can't remember if it was Chris or myself who came up with it. Yeah. I think we were just texting, te- texting each other and playing with different different words, and then we just came up with that. And okay. And then Alf, who you've met, yep. Alf did the design. It's a very cool design. Although it is a cool design. <laughs> he does um. He does some great work, great design work. So yeah, he came up with that. Um, and that's it. Yeah, interesting. Oh, it's funny because um, the first thing comes to mind. Somebody says Beast Monkey, and this is in my simple little brain. I go straight to that angry monkey from The Simpsons that um, is supposed to hide under the bed. I think with Bart. I'm, I'm not very good with Simpsons episodes, but isn't it very angry, nasty monkey? So somebody says Beast Monkey. I go to that guy. <laughs> Don't ask me why. I'm trying to remember the. Oh, it's a. I'm sure if you Google image search the guy, you'll I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it was just funny I've, where people score their names from. Um, I think Oakley Sunglasses, Oakley, I think, was the guy's dog. Right. I'm pretty sure that that's where that one came from. There's this history of, of various names of products or brands or whatever and where they've come from. Um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, Phil Knight, where he got Nike from. I think Nike was the god of... Oh, God. Some oh, Greek mythology thing. Making money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, did, you, did you ever read that book? The No. Whatever. That's worth a read. No. But what I do remember is watching that documentary on Michael Jordan and him when he got his Nike oh, shoe La- deal. Last Dance. That one? Yeah, Last Dance. Yeah. And uh, he actually wanted to go with Adidas instead of Nike because Nike back then was just a track shoe. So I remember it wasn't that. Really, what wasn't a big brand. Um, and Adidas and certainly not. Yep. In and out synonymous with. Yeah. So, you know, history turned out. I know Adidas and Puma. So Adidas is Adi Dassler. This and is a German dude. Yep. And Puma was his brother. I can't think of Dassler. Oh, Obviously, yeah. same last name. Can't think of the first name. But um, they had a big falling out, and the other brother went off and made Puma as a response to okay. Adidas. So apparently, those two don't like each other very much. And they've been running the show for like in the big sports for such a long time, and now you've Football. got Under Armour's doing pretty well. I can't see them going away. Okay, anytime soon. I remember many, many years ago when I was mucking around with um, performance athletic footwear. Um, Doing doing a lot with um, the athlete's foot um, from a tech standpoint, and the oh god, Copa, Copa Mundial, yep. Adidas, oh, <laughs> soccer boots, lordy, and that when they came out with the kangaroo hide one, it was such a simple looking boot, but it was amazing, and they still cost a fortune. Yep, <laughs> well, kangaroo hide. Yeah. So if I my track day leathers that I use on the motorbike, um, they're leather. Uh, the ones I use are about 2000 bucks. If I get exactly the same spec, same brand, but in the kangaroo height, it's 5000 bucks. Yeah. It's lighter, it breathes better, it crashes better. Not that I want to find out, but um, kangaroo height. I think it's funny too that 
all the kangaroo hide comes from Australia goes all around the world and comes back to us and we got to pay for it again. Yeah. <laughs> but the yeah, I remember the the I'm sure it was the Copa Mundial. Yeah, the, we, were, we were talking about this the other day. The copers, that's, that's like a serious boot. If you ever see yeah. a player with copers, yeah, like, yeah that you, guy's definitely. They know what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. yeah, I look at the new um, Predator boot. Yeah, and I think Craig. Oh God, Craig Johnson. Thank you. Yeah. He was the guy who designed it yeah. from memory. But I had a look at the latest one the other day. It was in a. Uh, they look sport. nothing like the originals. Mm. Not even close. But they got all these little shark scales all over. Mm. It's insane. Well, boots these days look more like the. If you sort of think back to football back in like the 1930s and 40s, you know, yep. like a like a ankle boot. Yep. That's we've kind of gone back to those types of designs, but they're very lightweight, obviously now, and use you know plastic materials. So the the, the boots yeah. are super light, um, which is good for acceleration. Yep. When you're running, but they're not very durable, and they're super expensive. I'd imagine the other thing because you could feel this thing when I picked it up off the shelf. Mm. It was very soft, and I remember thinking, if you're kicking things with this. You're gonna to have to have a tougher foot than the old boots. Um, yeah, I yeah, mean, and, feel. and, and you, you don't want to get studded um, nope. by another player. I would imagine that they also wouldn't waterlog like the old leather boots would. Yeah, true. So I remember that with my old boots, I used to put dubbing on them. Yeah, to, to, to <laughs> dubbing. Yeah, Ooh. keep the leather. This is an old school reference. But also stop them from, you know, when they got waterlogged, it yeah. would help a little bit. But yeah. only for so long, then they'd still turn heavy. Yeah. I was, I didn't even think of that, huh? But the I mean, the game's changed too. Yeah. Um, I know many many years ago when I was young and playing football soccer, um, you could get away with being a skilled player over a fit player. If you were skilled, you'd you'd have your edge. But these guys now, not anymore. You gotta have both. Oh, you gotta be good Lordy. at both things. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Um, Messi. Watching him play, Leo Messi, freak. <laughs> I yeah, I don't, I can't comprehend some of the things. Well, not just him, but guys at that level. Um, and you've got the the Ronaldos and the Ronaldinhos well, and all that. Well, people like Ronaldo and Messi are on their own level. Ugh. I think that that's just you know, there's elite, and then there's above that. That's those guys. There's really no one else. It's just them two. They're in their own league. There are. It's almost like they should have their own league. Two guys, one on ones, just like, yeah. They don't need. They everybody needs a team, but you watch them play and you just think, yeah, yeah. They're not relying as anywhere near as much on anybody else. Yeah, freaks. Good to watch though. I mean, I, I don't know much about the game anymore. Um, just to, every so often I'll tune in. I know you're you're mad for it and you won't miss anything. Um, but every so often I'll just tune in and 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 catch something for ten minutes or an hour or whatever, and just be blown away by the skills of those guys. Messi, I describe him. He's more of a he's like a genius. Yep. Um, whereas Ronaldo is like the ultimate athlete. Yeah. Someone he's, who just does throughout his career at an athletic from an athletic performance level just does everything right, like through through practice. Yep. So he's he's a very, I mean, he's incredibly skilled, but you can see that he's trained very hard to do things very specifically. Whereas Messi's, it's 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 a bit hard to describe. He's um he's a savant. He's more creative, yeah. um, which is why I kind of see him as a bit of a genius because he you can't really train that. Um, there's the things that you kind of develop yourself through your own interpretation of the game. Yep. 
and through your own experiences if anything is more of an artist yeah. um you can't teach that ronaldo like yeah ronaldo more like he's learned that and he's learned it very well he's um, trained the hell out of yeah, it yeah yeah it's like you know like his free kicks he's very good at free kicks but yep. you can see that he's probably taken you know a hundred thousand of them <laughs> to get to that point whereas messi you know when i compare that say to his dribbling like you don't yeah. you can't i mean obviously he's practiced it but it's it's an interpretation and he's come up with with a particular artful way to do it how old's messi now I think he's thirty. I think he's thirty-four. Ronaldo, I think he's thirty-six. Okay, Ronaldo's got to be getting towards the end of. He'll make forty. He'll be playing yeah, right. somewhere when he's forty. I reckon maybe in the US or something like that. But he'll yep. like that's that's just advancements in medical science as well. Because if you go back Ooh. like 15, 20 years, once you hit your thirties, you were pretty much done. There's a there's a question in its own medical science. Not not so much those guys. Nutrition but, um, recovery. I remember, Injury prevention. Um, God, it was around about the time of, here's an old school reference, that you remember the Festina affair in the tour where everybody on that team plus a number of other ones all popped uh, EPO at that stage and a number of other things I got caught for. Um, there was a there was this big thing about, oh, cycling is rife with drugs, and it was. Absolutely no doubt of that. But they said a number of the cycling-based people would come back and say, we're not the only ones. Okay, we're bad, but so is everybody else. And there was a bit of finger-pointing as to, you know, what sports are bad. Like, there's some obvious ones, bodybuilding, duh. Um, But in the Spanish Junior League, um, I don't know if you call it a feeder league or whatever, but the the ones that where those top people would then wind up in the, obviously, European stuff, the big stuff, but the, I remember there was a um, drug test done on the Span, one of the Spanish, Spanish junior leagues. And for the year, 85% of the entire league tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. Nuts. Yep. So these days, anything, you know, if it's not on the wider list, then you can test for it. So whatever. But there was there was some... Yeah, at that Everyone stage. Everyone is on something. Yeah. Um, I just remember that particular test and a lot of those young and young guys like 14 to 16 and 17 popped for EPO. Yeah. Or they tested for it, but the, at that stage, those guys weren't um, weren't getting sanctioned for it. Well, I was listening to Rogan this week. Uh, one of the guys that he had on who's a, is a chemist, uh, Morrison, I think might, his surname might be. Look it up. It's a good episode. Cool. And he spoke about lithium. Lithium apparently has the same effect that EPO has. Lithium? Lithium, yeah. Huh. And um, so it increases your red blood cell count. And it is a banned substance, but a lot more difficult to detect than than like synthesized EPO. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, and that's the thing, right? I mean, if you're a chemist, there's all sorts of things yeah. that you can <laughs> come up with. So then you look at professional sports where there's you know, billions of dollars at stake, yeah. big business, then th- um, if you're a pro, to be able to have longevity, to be able to recover, to perform at the highest 100%. levels, you know, as close as, as close as possible to 100% of the time, yeah, th- you're on something. Like, th- that's, that's medical be, science. Now, some things get banned, it, um, some things, you know, are not, and those things that are not is what people are using. Is it performance enhancing? It certainly is. Now, is yeah. it banned? Well, we, we don't know yet until the authorities determine that it is, so... It, like I said, everyone's on something. 
it's it's been interesting that I think the best people push the boundaries on stuff that is either not discovered yet or it is still legal or whatever, and they find not ways of interpreting the rules, but they push it as hard as they can <laughs> until it gets banned, and then they move on to the next thing, which is fine. Yeah. Um, I still think it's interesting some of the the fighters and that that get popped for very old school, easily detectable. Um, Picograms. Yeah, <laughs> picos. <laughs> God bless you, John Jones. Um, actually, that episode you guys had with the, pic- the picogram ex- episode that you guys had ages ago, I still listen to that and laugh my ass off. Um, it was pretty funny. That was good. But yeah, and that and that one was that one actually made me mad because the size of a picogram, like if that's what you're testing for, oh come on guys, like really. But um, was it Dillashaw went for EPO? Uh, there's other guys that yep. have gone for some really basic stanozole and like stuff that's been around forever. Everybody knows is legal. Everybody knows will flag instantly, and yet they s- still take that on. Yep. Same same as anything. If there's money to be made, someone's going to introduce. Well, I guess I would imagine with fighters and even with cyclists. I mean, they don't get paid that mm. much unless you're you're the best of the best. Yeah. So, if, I mean, if your livelihood depends on it and if it, you know, potentially getting cut from the roster yeah. due to, you know, losses or not having your contract extended into the next season, you take the risk, right? I've, I've got friends that have been around the professional pelotons. Um, most of them are no longer there, but there has been conversations had about uh, if you didn't, do you feel like you should have taken something? And the majority of them, I feel like Dan, uh, upright sort of guys that just said, I just didn't want to do it, but I would have stayed a professional, a paid professional for much longer if I did. Um, there was a, a weird, it wasn't a study, uh, like a poll, and they, they took on, I don't know, 100 um, top-level athletes and said, if you could win an Olympic, I think it was an Olympic medal or a world championship, but do it drugged up and you die by age 35 versus you don't win mm. one, but you'll live to 70. And it was like 80 something mm. percent. I'm probably butchering the figures, but it was a huge percent percentage said, yep, I'll, I'll take the drugs and run the risk and get the fame and the money. So yep. it's, I, I know and I have to tread lightly on this one because um, they're still current people, but I do know somebody who was in a, a continental team over in, the, you know, in Europe, and uh, the first year he rode for them didn't take anything, wasn't offered anything, wouldn't do anything, it's fine. And there was another, another guy on the team that um, is known to me that, same thing, but on the second year when they'd sort of, what's the word, proven their worth to the directors and whatever, they said, right, out. You guys are here for the long haul. If you want to, here's a bar fridge full of things that probably shouldn't be in there. It wasn't vegetables and it wasn't milk. Um, if you want to, it's up to you. If you don't, you know, fine either way. And the guy I know well said, no, I'm, I'm good. I'll race out another year as, you know, untarnished. And uh, the other fellow who I sort of know just went ballistic on the fridge and I uh, my friend lasted a year and then that was basically it for him in Europe. 
and he he came home he couldn't he raced well but not well enough to make a lot of money and the other guy went on to race at a huge level um, and got paid a lot of money and was involved with one of the most successful teams that's ever lived and is still uh, around the cycling scene but uh, and making money off it making good money off it whereas um, my friend came back to to Australia and um, took up normal employment and that was that because he, he decided not to he put his hand up and said nope not for me he, he had his uh, and he was a very good cyclist in his own right but that I don't know I guess last 5 or 10% came out of a syringe for, for mm. some people so I don't think I don't know there's a, a f- been a few what I think of as natural talents where I've looked at riders and just gone they're just built to be on the bike um and some that work very hard for it. Cadell Evans, um, not a pretty guy on a bike. Like to watch him, I wouldn't say butchered the thing, but he, um, yeah, he w- he was not grace on a bike. He was his reactions to questions about mm. doping though were were always interesting for me. Bit I found that yeah, and yep. I found that if if someone was to say a clean rider, yep. then um be less defensive about it his position was always very defensive his reactions to it was always very defensive which to me was like this guy's obviously made you wonder yeah it's funny because I, I always wondered if he was taking offense from your point of view like oh why is he getting his back up about this but i don't know like i feel that um if you were a clean writer and someone asked you questions about that you'd be like well oh, you know, i wouldn't get self-defensive about it you'd yeah just like well Look, man, I'm a clean rider. You can keep asking me this stuff, but you can again, get the same almost, <laughs> almost verbatim. That's what Lance said. Oh, but he was a sociopath, right? <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> oh, he, Lord. he he was. You know, he had to convince himself. Yeah, that he was doing nothing wrong to then and convince I think the did. rest of the world. Yeah, and he was awesome at it. I, and he, a sociopath can do that. Yeah, that's true. I I read uh, Cadell's book, and I've I've only met him twice very briefly and said hello and that, that's it you're not going to talk anything more than you know g'day wow um, but I swung around and I actually initially thought yeah geez he's on the defensive about the drug mm. question thing like what's he hiding but the more I look at his performances and the hu- how human he could be on the bike that he had failings big failings at times and I, the more I think about it, the more I think eh, I think he was probably clean or maybe using what he could to the the limit of the law rather than overstepping it. Mm. I don't know. Who knows? I don't right? know. Yeah, I don't know that we're ever going to know. I, I reckon Cadell's reaction is more the reaction of someone who probably was angry at the question from the perspective of it's complicated mm. and I'm never going to be able to answer this truthfully. And I'm angry that people don't understand how complicated this sport is in that yeah. we're more yep. or less forced to. It could be something like that. You know, to be able to complete at this point. level, we actually don't have a choice. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a choice, but but not really. Not if you want to be a pro. Yeah. So Which is sad, but... You're either a pro, you're not. And to be a pro, well, you're going to have to get with the program because this sport demands that. Um, you know, it's it's in its culture. It's, yeah. you know, the demands of, you know, the, the physical demands of it. Um, so to be able to compete at this level, then this is what we have. So that, that that's probably how he's rationalized it in his head. Perhaps I don't know. I'm just speculating. It's like uh, Mr. Universe. Yep, we test all of our athletes. They're all clean at the time of performance and whatever. 
And then I don't know if you've ever have you ever seen the what's it called Mr. Natural mm. Universe, whatever. And those guys are like half the size. You're less than half. Yeah. yeah. There's and no comparison. Yeah, they're just like your average gym junkie. Okay, they're you know they're ripped and they've done all the the right thing. Their nutrition's good and all the rest. But you can't tell me. <laughs> I've had mates that are meatheads. Um, Mr. Universe, they're clean. Man, they're clean. They all get tested. I'm like, are you kidding me? But th- see, that's the thing. The, the bodybuilding culture, there's no... You know what you're looking at. No one's pretending yeah. to be clean. Like and Mr. Olympia, right? That's yeah. that's the ultimate competition. So that that's not a competition that's trying to portray itself as a clean sport. It's not. Everyone knows that they're on something. Yeah. And they don't even get how far I don't can think you push it? Get tested. Like, I don't think they even bother. Um, but everyone accepts that. And then okay, so if, if there's a level playing field from that perspective, well then then it's just a matter of who's got the genes and who's able to train the hardest to yeah. be able to to get the results. Yeah. Um, you know what would happen if you did that with cycling? Somebody, somebody put that up ages ago, and I think it was around about the time that Lance came out and said, "What if we just ran, no holds barred? It's the Wild West. You guys do what you want." And I think it would be, from a sporting spectacle point of view, it'd be amazing. There'd be insane attacks and huge power outputs and and crazy racing. But everyone's going to be dead in ten years. <laughs> I don't know, or maybe not. Maybe maybe it eliminates the risk of of, of, of the stupid risks that people have to take, or yeah, that people true. you know take by you know controlling it through you know teams, yep. sports doctors and stuff like that. So well, if, if you if you lift the hood on it all and, and make it transparent, well then there'll be less cowboys. True. Um, doing stupid things. <coughs> back back when EPO first hit, nobody knew anything about it, and they were just going nuts, and everybody was dying in their sleep back in the nineties. Yep. And now you've got. You know, Cat D guys in the States and veterans taking it and winning on it. And, you know, they're living all the way through and they're fine. There's more known about it. Like, I'd be interested to know how many, like, the, the health impacts of, say, the, the, the Eastern Bloc European countries yep. when it was, you know, state-sponsored by the Soviets. It was all very controlled and, you know, yep. top scientists Crazy. all looking after these programs and stuff like that. Like, you know, what have been the side effects of that? Because that was all... That was interesting because everybody was on board. Hmm. It was it wasn't the doctors and the athletes versus the rule makers. It was everybody was in. Yeah, that stuff was it's it's the whole Icarus thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. I'd like to see an Icarus part two. I'd like to see that story continue on. And actually, oof. he's he's done a new documentary. Well, he um, said it's called you. the Dissident, the Khashoggi or the um, uh, Saudi journalist who. That's right. Who was basically assassinated by? I've I've got to find that because that that, that's a harder one to find, isn't it? Because that treaded on treaded on. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, right? Yeah, he couldn't get any of the big streaming companies to take it on because they've all got business interests in Saudi Arabia. That's what it was. You can't be criticizing, you know, the hand that feeds you. (coughs) I best go looking for that one in some way, shape, or form. I forgot about that. I've got a copy of. If you bring a drive, I can give it to you. Right, game on. uh, And I haven't got a drive in the car. I usually have a drive in the car. I'm not even a nerd, and I usually have a, a thumb drive somewhere. I don't today. That's all right. I'll work that one out, but I will get that off you. That's, um, yeah, because that opens up a whole new can of worms, doesn't it? The, if it was a level, an open playing field, wouldn't necessarily be level. The levels would be high. The picograms would be off the charts. But um, that was kind of the, I was watching some of the early, early 
UFC sort of UFC three, four, five, six, where it was literally no holds barred, and you had little one hundred and forty pounders versus two hundred pounders. Um, you had BJJ guys versus just street thugs, Tank Abbott versus Gracies, and th- and people like that, and that it was just not a level playing field from that point of view. But you had some of those early guys, um, Shamrock. Um, I'm trying to think, there was another guy there. Yeah, that American dude. What was his? What oh, was his name? There's a documentary on him. Um, took Chris and I were talking about this dude. Um, went into he had problems with depression and stuff like yep, that. Just from yep, all the drugs. That's him. Was it Mark something? Um, Coleman? Com- no. no, no. Coleman's one of them, but that's not the guy. Yep. Coleman was another guy where he took all the Mexican supplements. Yeah, like he was. Those guys were nuts. So, I look at wrestling, but then you look at the demands of the sports as well, right? Yeah. Or baseball. I mean, they play so much. Baseball's like, what is it, like 160 games or something a year? A year. Which You're is playing insane. every every second week minimum, if not it's once. It's multiple well, games. it's more than that, yeah. It's twice a week. And it's more than that. Some of them. No, they, three they, times. They, they're playing almost every day. Because they, they play a game. It's like every second day to there's the a next game. game yep. and they fly, yeah. yeah and, that, and that's why it's, it's like a series as well, right? Yep. So, you know, the Oreos come and play in San Francisco and then they play like best out of five games or whatever it is or something like that and then they fly over there and then do it away from home and it's just you wonder yeah. how they back up I, I went to but a game think about San the Francisco. repetition oh god of, of, of some how's of your the, shoulder yeah <laughs> how's, how's your legs how's your knees yeah um, that's got, I, I went and watched a, a game with a girlfriend in San Fran and um, I can't remember who was playing who San Fran was uh, what's their team the Giants Giants <coughs> Giants versus I can't remember who the other guys were it was also and it was a an early season game, so the the pressure wasn't on in terms of standings or anything. They were there to win, both of them were. But um, big long game and some pretty amazing athletic endeavours. And then we walked out of there, and and um, Barb was telling me, you know, well, those guys fly home and then they play tomorrow night on the other side of the the continent. Yep. Um, up against whoever it was. I'm like, how the hell do you recover? Like. And you know this flying, like that's not fun. In terms of recovery, okay, they've probably got. I don't, I don't care if it's first class seats or if they've got their own jets or whatever, but it's still traveling, and traveling is not conducive to recovery. So it's, yeah. and she said, yeah, that's what they do for sort of eight months of the year or something like that. They're just full on. Check out Screwball. Pretty sure it's still on Netflix. Screwball. It's a documentary on. Uh, drugs in baseball Ooh. and how it all started, but you know Barry Bonds and yeah. stuff like that. If you, I mean, you just look at the numbers. Like he was smashing it, uh, and no one's been able to sort of achieve that kind what of consistency. And you know, and he's still got the record and home runs and stuff. But um, um, to the extent that they um, when he would get up on the plate, they just foul ball. Just it's not just let, so <laughs> don't even let him bat because yeah. he's, he's that good. He's, yeah, right. Yeah, he would just smash and he, he was just jacked. Am I right in saying A Rod popped for something? Uh, a Rod did. Barry Bonds never did. Like he never he got he never actually got he got investigated and he, you know, they were insinuated that you know he was yep. involved in all this stuff. But was it? Did he ever actually fail a drugs test? No. A Rod did though. A Rod did. Yeah, yep. yep. pretty sure A Rod did. But he, it's about A Rod mostly. Oh, cool. I'd, yeah, wouldn't mind seeing that. It's really good. Like the so, it's the guy who made um Cocaine Cowboys, which is yeah, another yeah, yeah. really good doco. <laughs> um, that was nuts. Yeah, so it's it's done really well. Good production. That one, Cocaine Cowboys, and 
the uh, Rogan always talks about the white, the wicked, no, the wild, or bunch of um, meth heads out of some bunch of W's in it, the wicked, wild, something. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, I can't remember. I'll have to find it's it. Not, it's not wild. Is, what's it called? Wild country? You know, the one about the crazy. Oh, the cult. cult? Yeah. yeah, that one was nuts. That's a no, good this was a, it was another one about. Um, uh, all the crazy stuff that goes on down in Florida and um, with the, I can't even think of the drug of choice down there, the... Cocaine, I would imagine. No, there's the, well, you'd think... No, it was the... Um, it, was, it was basically uh, pharmacy-made meth, um, oxycodone. That, okay. That, that sort of idea. Listen to that Morrison podcast. Okay. There's all sorts of stuff in there that... Um, yeah, about about drugs and what we're talking about now as yeah, well. Right. The the one that I found fascinating was the discussion around crack and cocaine, and yeah. how from a from a from a chemistry standpoint, it's basically oh, the, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. It's basically. Well, I was going to say there isn't any difference, really, is there? Yeah. But but it's a class drug. So cocaine is you know wealthy wealthy rich person's yep. drug, and and crack is a poor person's drug. Yep. Um, and then when you look at law enforcement and how the laws are applied and um, you know sentencing. And anything associated with crack, and you know, and you get sent to jail for for years. Whereas you know, cocaine Cocaine's is a slap the, on the, the rich kid's drug, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the socialite's drug. Yeah, and if you know, if you talk about you know, I've got a coke addiction, or I do coke, you know, no one really cares. It's just like turn the know, other way. But if you yeah. say crack, I'm on then, crack, then you're evil and you're a piece yep. of shit. So yep. that's interesting. The double standards in society, but and yeah. that's funny because I always thought it was the same thing, just the the physical appearance and the like. The end result is effectively the same thing. Um, I always I could never work that one out. Why there was such a disparity on in how they were um, treated? Like, if, like you said, somebody says, "Oh, I've got a cocaine addiction." It's like, all right, we'll go to Betty Ford, or they're there. They'll probably just laugh at you or think you're an idiot. But yeah, you know, if someone tells you a crack, then immediately you think this person is just you know, a whole nother garbage, kettle of fish. You know, scum of society. Yeah, yeah, and it's. <laughs> And oh, I must admit, I, I suppose we're we're a little sheltered here in Canberra that um, we don't really see a drug epidemic at the surface level. It's certainly under the surface, but every so often, I was I was in um, the centre of town a little while ago and ran into or ran. I was riding a bike and I went past somebody clearly iced out of their brains, and that was scary. And that was just one person in the middle of Civic, as it were. And I, I remember thinking, like, you steer clear. And that that's the everyday occurrence in a lot of the big cities, like hundreds of people. Yeah. Just, whoa. I'd like to know what the price of cocaine is right now since COVID. Do you reckon it's gone up? You'd think so. I, And I don't know, when, when I was young and more stupid than I am now, <laughs> um, I would know people in and around that um, lifestyle. I thankfully haven't been near that for many many years now but um i'm sure that game's changed but you would think supply and demand and people not getting out and about as much if they've got a a proper addiction or a a proper need or an itch to scratch then they're probably paying for it like really paying Mm. for it so good question I, i wonder how that all the different drugs are i know back when i was young and and my my drug of choice was uh, the fabled leaf, marijuana. That was my thing back when I was young. And the stuff now would... Oof, that's a whole nother level. It's all 
I don't know if it's genetically changed that much, but the how strong all this new stuff is. I haven't gone near it. it scares the hell out of me. Pe- people have gotten better at uh, refining it. Oh yeah, this, I saw. Where the hell was that? Um, somebody the other day got popped for tons and tons. There was thousands of plants. Um, wasn't there a bust recently? Wasn't it Bungendal? There was a, yeah, there was a big... It's oh, like just th- outside of Bungendor. Yeah, like this week or something. Yeah. This past uh, week. And there was... God, I'm going to say like three or 4,000 plants. Something like that. And some other guy in Belconnen... Yeah, did you see? Plants on his balcony. <laughs> did, for personal use. Did you see how many? Well, I saw a photo. Oh, um, lordy. Yeah, it's quite a few. If it, if that's for personal use, that guy could not function. It's <laughs> He had... Because there's a limit to... Uh, I don't know what the limit is. But two plants up to... I think it's like five feet tall, which is crazy amount anyway. But this guy had 10 or 15 on his balcony and it was a forest. And <laughs> he he claimed for personal use. But like I said, if that was personal use, he wouldn't function. But like if he's um, he's got cancer or something like that, probably. I can And I can see the medicinal side of things. I, I'm definitely pro uh, natural medicine and that sort of thing. I, I have no problems with that stuff. Imagine if you had cancer and you're in pain oh, all the time. Bring why, it. Why would you take drugs when you, um, like, you know, pharmaceutical drugs when you could smoke weed and, and, exactly. and not have all the side effects? Well, case in point, my, my girlfriend's father was dying um, year before last and... It was it was a horrible time. He had cancer. Mm. It came on really quick, and it 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 was all through him. I've I've never seen when they do the the scan to show you where the the black spots were. His whole body was riddled, even in his skull. It was nuts, and it came on really quick. And um, my girlfriend flew back. He's they were in California. Uh, my girlfriend lives with me here, obviously in in Canberra or outside of Canberra. Um, she flew back to be with him and to look after him and they uh, found uh, CBD cream um, with active um, ingredient in it. So with the actual um, cannabinoid uh, component in it and they they had two different types. There was one that was just a mild release sort of thing and then there was one that was Ooh, you'd go to the moon. It was it was pretty heavy. And in his final sort of uh, weeks, really, uh, last month or so, when he was starting to really get into discomfort, um, that stuff brought, 100% brought relief. Yeah. And um, I'm all for it. And over there, where, where they were in California, uh, completely legal. If, if yeah. I bought... Um, I think either of them back with me and somebody pulled me up at the border. Well, they just confiscate it. I don't know if it, you might not even get a fine for it, but I sure as heck can't get it here. And the... That's madness. Yeah. yeah. Um, the it's girlfriend... So had, backwards. Yeah. She had a bad shoulder while she was over there, just hurt herself just one day. Yeah. And she used some of the mild cream on her shoulder overnight, fixed it instantly. Yeah. Um, just make it legal, tax it. Oh, Everyone's happy. Bingo. Yeah. Alcohol... <laughs> tobacco all that's it's all way worse, worse things out there do it do the same thing except this stuff won't actually you know kill you exactly i th- think to date there's still no proven deaths no. no i think peanuts are gonna kill more kids than what grass will ever do so yeah i can't imagine it's good for your lungs i mean smoking Smoke, anything is not good yeah. for your lungs well, your lungs weren't designed to yeah. soak up smoke were they like you know i wouldn't recommend 
doing any kind of endurance sports or anything like that and then smoking no. a lot of weed but you know it's not gonna be good for the engine <coughs> <laughs> that's true how long have we been going at it i have no idea but it seems like it's flown I but it's probably we're about to an hour hour and a half holy hell. 90 minutes okay yep. i can understand plus one i can understand how rogan goes now when he gets guys on three hours plus mm. and it just i mean just keep talking yeah we should shut up because people have probably got better things to do <laughs> Cool, dude. That was good. This has been good. We'll as do it a, again. As a first one, this is, um, yeah, I don't know if anybody's going to warm to my dulcet tones, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> dude, there are thousands of fans in the United States, so it's um, there'll be a lot of people in New Jersey, and uh, according to the stats. Oh, really? <laughs> New Jersey? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Jersey? Right. Yeah, that's with, is that with the, the internet, man. Yeah. That's where you've got your most followers? Jersey? It was the last time I checked for one of the episodes that we did. God, it's I'll, kind of funny. I will apologize to anybody from Jersey. That, there's not thousands. some stage. I'm, I'm exactly I, right. Well, even if there's five, um, if I ever do a really bad New Jersey accent, I think, um, yeah, that wouldn't go down so good with it. <laughs> Nobody can do a crap Australian accent. So, crap, crap Jersey accent winds us up. We won't do that. Cool. Awesome. Right Thanks, on. dude. This has been good. All right. We'll Till do it again. Thank you.